0: Hello and welcome to our sermon series Switch. Annie will be leading us in the last of this series called From Stuck on Earth to Destined for Heaven. Enjoy! Good morning Church! I hope you're well this morning. Today we're on our fourth and final series of the Switch From series and today we're talking about switching from stuck on earth to being destined heaven. When I was a teenager we used to have this phrase YOLO, I don't know where it came from, I don't know why it happened but it stood for you only live once and it was basically an excuse for people to say that you know you only live once I'm gonna cram in all these things now because you know basically when I die I'm just gonna be dirt in the earth and nothing's gonna happen. And I feel like people used it as an excuse to, you know, be rude to people, to do like silly things that maybe they shouldn't have done, to get away with stuff. It was this really strange concept that was just so flippant with life. It's like, I've got to cram in everything I need right now because you only live once. And even as a teenager, I remember thinking, this is such a strange way to live by. The the idea that you've got to cram in so much into one life because that's it. When you die, it's over. And I remember feeling, even when I was still unsure, as a teenager, knowing that as a Christian, I know where I'm going. That I know that, you know... One day when I die, I'm going to meet God in heaven and it is going to be the best party that you've ever attended. It is going to be the best life that you could ever experience. And so, yes, of course, we have this life on Earth. But when we get to heaven, it is going to be the best thing you've ever experienced. And I felt so reassured by that. I felt like, actually, I don't need to make up excuses for my behavior. I don't need to kind of cram everything into this life because I know where I'm going. And sometimes it can be uh, really difficult, I think, when you don't believe in God or you don't believe in Jesus to have this idea of something happens to you when you when you die, when you're gone. But I just remember feeling so reassured that I knew where I was going and that there is a heaven. So being on earth is important, but being in heaven is going to be so much greater. So we are reading the last few verses from Philippians 3. We've been working our way through chapter 3 of Philippians, and now we are at verses 17 to 21. So we're going to read that together, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I really love how it's put, and I just really love the the language. I think it's really graspable, and so we're going to read it together. So verse 17 says, My beloved friends, Imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we've modelled before you. For there are many who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words. There are enemies of the cross of the anointed one and that awaits them is doom. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their boast is in their shameful lifestyles and their minds are in the dirt. But we are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our humble bodies and transfigure us into the identical likeness of his glorified body. And using his matchless power, he continually subdues everything unto him. And this morning i really want to dissect these last few verses because i think there's so much we can learn from them and so we're starting off with just the first few words of that verse 17 where it says my beloved friends imitate my walk with god and it goes on to say and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we've modeled before you now we live in a world full of social media Everyone is following everyone and trying to be nosy in everyone's lives. And on social media, we have something called influencers. Now, if you don't know what it is, let me clue you in a little bit. Influencers are people that tend to be very popular on social media. They tend to be um, quite rich. They have quite a lot of money, good social status. They tend to be quite aspirational. Um, Companies tend to like giving them free gifts that they then will sell on. They tend to be, you know, the Kardashians of the world or your YouTubers or people that have influence. And it's fascinating because so much of social media culture is to follow these people and, you know, think about what they're doing. So many of our younger generation and even my generation are looking at these so-called influencers and trying to do everything like them. They're trying to do the same job as them to be as successful or to get money. They're trying to wear the same clothes as them. They're trying to be as stylish as them, maybe use the same language, maybe even try and imitate their lives. And that, can be really dangerous when you're following the wrong people especially people that don't potentially know that you know the influence they have they can use it for good people that you know are not great for our younger generation not great for anybody on social media they might be selfish or they might be greedy or whatever it looks like there are so many what we call influencers but so many people not setting the right pace of life for people And Paul is not talking about these people. He is saying to watch his walk with God because he knows what it's like. He knows the importance of the role he has. And he's talking about the generation that's gone before him. It says, follow all those who walk according to the way of life we've modelled before you. So Paul is giving the right way to go the right kind of influence he wants us to look at the way he has modeled life the way others around him have modeled life for us to have some form of direction to go what does it look like what does it look like to be on the right track and so to know what paul is trying to get at here we've got to just do a quick read through the whole chapter because that is setting out the example that we need to be following so in verses one to five and we and this is all in chapter three in verses one to five he's expressing how he thought by circumcision that is the way that god would see him as pure and clean and by that work that he has done he would be made righteous with god when actually he's worked out that but it's by god's grace and god's power alone That he is seen as clean, and that he is saying that you need to be boasting in what Jesus has done and not by the works of man. Then in verses 7 to 8, he talks about how all his works are nothing compared to what Jesus has done for him. Again, saying that it's not us that needs to be celebrated, it's not all the good things that we have done, but it's Jesus. He is the one that gifts us with those things, He's the one that blesses us with those things, and He is the one that needs to be celebrated here. Again, reinforces that same behavior in verses 9 to 10, saying about how God should be magnified in our life and that we need to be following His ways, not our own ways. Then again, in verse 12, it says, I'm going to read it out for you. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness of what I'm pursuing, but. I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. He's saying that he's not fully there yet, that he is still learning to pursue God, but he's got that vision in mind. He knows that that's where he wants to reach. He wants to be passionately pursuing Jesus. And so that is the example he's setting out for us. And then lastly, in verse 16, just before we get to our passage, he talks about us all having the same passion, the same purpose, which is God being glorified in our lives, that we should all be striving towards that one goal, that God should be the ultimate one in our lives. And so Making room for God means that we're making room for his desires, not our desires, not our selfish ways or what we want to do. It is magnifying God in our lives. And that is the example Paul is setting out for us. He's laid it out really clearly to go, this is what is good. This is what is going to be glorifying to God, this kind of behavior. Everything that Paul has described in this chapter is to emphasize how important God should be in our lives. And when we're talking about bringing heaven onto earth, it involves inviting Jesus into our hearts and knowing that he's the example that we need to be following what God has put in place for us. The more we open up our lives to Jesus in the way that Paul describes, the more opportunities we have to see that heaven on earth because when we invite the holy spirit into our hearts that's god that's jesus putting something inside of us and we're able to display that and every time we stray away from that behavior we're potentially blocking the opportunity for people to see god in us and what a shame that would be i know for me i want to see people know god in my life that is the example that i want to set and i hope it is for yours too So we get to our passage. We read on in verse 18 and it says, For there are many who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross, of the anointed one. I don't know if you've ever hung out with someone who doesn't have a faith or doesn't believe in God and they notice that there's something different about you. I used to have it in school sometimes people would say Annie like you're so forgiving I've never kind of met someone like that or I have a really close friend of mine who knows that there is something different about me and they know it is my faith and it's fascinating what happens when we let God be the one in charge of our lives people take notice they notice that something is different the way of life that they are living looks different to the way of life we are living and sometimes gets very different results in the way we you know, deal with situations, the way we look at life. Because we know we have something greater and they know they're missing out on something. When we you know, invite Jesus into our lives, we do stand out and that's what we want. We want people to recognize that we're standing out and the reason is because we have Jesus in our lives. But Paul is reminding us that there is a warning That is so easy to focus on earthly things because temptation is all around us it doesn't matter what it is whether it's sex money being selfish being unkind to people there are so many influences like i said about influences for social media things you know that are around us unfortunately we are in a culture that cultivates temptation It is. it's just a pool of things that are just not going to bring us life and you know the bible talks quite clearly about stuff that just isn't good for us and so in galatians chapter 5 verses 19 to 21 it lists some of these things that just are not life-bringing it says now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these i warn you as i've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god the thing about temptations and thing about the things in those in that list there is that they're momentary. You ever had that? You have like a chocolate bar and it's nice in the time, but an hour later, you're not still thinking about that chocolate bar. You're not being satisfied by it. You've had it, it's over. Temptation is so like that, that it's a momentary pleasure for quite a lot of damage later on. And that's the thing, that the enemy is so keen For us to give in to those temptations he's so keen to grip the world and say hey all this stuff is out there go experience it go do that yolo lifestyle you only live once experience it all and actually that takes our eyes off of jesus that is the enemy's ultimate goal is that if he can distract us enough with temptations then our eyes will not be fixed on jesus and that is not a way I want to live, and it's not a way Paul is encouraging us to live. If we don't repent of that, of course, temptations are very real and they're very evident. You know, the Bible says how we're not and um, we're not clean until God makes us clean. So of course we're going to give in to some temptations. We're sinful, we're human, we're not perfect. But if we don't repent of those, the sins that we've done and recognize that jesus is the only one who should be in charge of our lives we end up turning away and paul says that we are enemies of the cross it's quite harsh language but paul has done it on purpose he's writing because this is serious this is serious stuff that you know when you do turn away from god there's a consequence there in john 10 10 it says the thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. It's talking about the devil and the devil, we might use the language, the enemy. The devil is the cross's biggest enemy. The enemy's desire is to have you so focused on what is happening on earth that you totally take your eyes away from what is happening in heaven and stopping that bridge, stopping that heaven coming down to earth. That is the enemy's ultimate desire. And Paul, when he's writing this, says, I weep as I write these words because this is tough stuff. This is not easily spoken and it's not easily listened to either we sing a song and the lyrics say break my heart for what breaks yours and i think paul is getting a glimpse of this he knows the father's heart and he knows god's heart breaks when people turn away from him and deny him and to be honest it's really tough the thought of what awaits people that don't turn to jesus this verse says doom awaits them it is an uncomfortable reality if we have heaven we've got to have a hell and it is so uncomfortable to think about our loved ones the people that we hold dear that if they don't turn to jesus they're going to go to hell and i feel uncomfortable saying it myself because it's it's an uncomfortable thing and that's why paul is saying i weep when i write these words because they're serious the idea of our loved ones suffering over and over again for eternity is something that would break my heart is something that would make me weep and I think if we all thought about it thought about the people we love the people that we cherish our friends our family that actually don't know God the idea if they went tomorrow and didn't know him that suffering would await them and that is heartbreaking that is not something I want to see for my friends and family that I love But Paul is being clear because he knows that when we follow Jesus, when we follow our heavenly father, there is something amazing, amazing that awaits for us. And then there's that awful reality as well, that when we don't follow Jesus, there's that doom that awaits them. And that is something to ponder and just think about and think maybe in our own lives, are there those friends, those family? Are we taking their lives that seriously? Do we know that consequence? Because Paul is making it very clear what happens. So we're going to read on. In verse 20, it says, But, I love that, that there is a hope. that it's That's not the end of the story, just doom awaits them. There is a but. It says, but we are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I read these words, I heard the word colony and thought of um, the movie Ants. It's by DreamWorks. Um, It was definitely a childhood classic of mine. Um, Anyone that was my age would know it back in the day. (laughs) And it was great. It was this movie about all these cartoon ants that looked so small and so insignificant and couldn't really do a lot by themselves would be very overwhelmed easily stepped on just very insignificant but when they got together as a colony they were really powerful they could move stuff they could do powerful things in this movie and it kind of is a bit like a takeover from all the ants and they all work together to do these incredible things and bear with me here, but sometimes I feel like we can be like that as Christians. That when we're thinking about bringing heaven onto earth, it can feel really daunting. That's like, I can't do this. It's just me. There's one of me and loads of people out there. How can I, in my you know, weakness and in my faults and failures, possibly do it justice to bring heaven to earth? but actually this is saying that we are a colony of heaven on earth. We are a massive group together all working for the same mission that that is bringing that heaven onto earth. That is being that representation of Jesus on earth. It's saying when we work as a team, when we work for that same goal that it spoke about earlier in Philippians 3, that we will achieve amazing things for the kingdom that we will be bringing heaven onto earth because we all are striving for that same goal and that means that even though i might be a little bit powerless by myself with my fellow brothers and sisters and with god's power and god's grace and god's strength we can do awesome things for the kingdom we just had a whole month of mission in august talking about how we are all equipped Oh, sorry, we're all called to bring the gospel. And Trevor says this phrase so often, and he says, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So you might be watching this not feeling very equipped, not feeling like, you know what? Well, I don't feel strong in my ability, in my works, in my life, the example that I'm leading to bring heaven onto earth. But God gives you that god has called you to do that and it says that he is a life bringer that we are a colony that we are working together and i think that's a really powerful image in your brain that's like actually when we all work together we can we can do that with god's strength and god's grace we can bring that bit of heaven onto earth for people to see And there's a song by Jeremy Camp that says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that demands the dead to raise lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm the raging sea lives in us. Whether you believe it or not, if you've invited Jesus into your life, you carry heaven on earth. But Paul as he said has said before it's not by our power that that happens it's by god's power alone we need him we need him to do that in us and actually god knew this was going to be tough and he knew he we couldn't do it without him and so he gave us a prayer to remind us of this the lord's prayer says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we want heaven To invade our earth, we need heaven to invade earth. Our prayers and our desires should be that God's glory and his power is flooded in the earth. Something I'm learning so much over the last few months is that I am so powerless by myself, that I am so weak, and I do not have the strength to do this on my own. But I thank god that i'm not alone that he is with me that he gives me power he gives me that strength and that's the incredible thing i don't have the power to do all the things that i want to do i want to protect my loved ones from this pandemic i want to make sure that everyone is in good health that i love i want our government to change i want my job situation to change but I can't do it by myself. I don't have the power to do that. And so I need God's power. We need God's power to intervene in our lives. That when we have a God that knows us, that knows our situations, he will move in our our lives. I can't stop a pandemic But by God's power, I can pray over the people in charge, pray over our government to do the things we need to do. I can't physically heal a person. I can't heal my friends and family. But by God's power, I can ask him to intervene in their bodies and heal them. I can't magic up a job for myself. But by God's power, I know he has a plan for me and that he's going to put things in my path and bring fruit to that. And so I trust in that that is the power that we are talking about and that when we're talking about a colony of heaven on earth god is bringing that together to know that we need to rely on him that is what paul is talking about here it says the next bit when it says as we cling tightly to our life giver Jesus is that life giver as I was saying you know he's the one that is going to change the pandemic he's the one that's going to change my job situation financial situation whatever it looks like for you Jesus is our life giver in Job 33 verses 4 it says the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life God made Adam and Eve He breathed the very first people into being. He breathed everything that we see, we taste, we smell, everything that we experience. God breathed that from him for us. He is the king of heaven and of earth. He's in charge of it all. He is the anointed one. And with everything going on around us, with everything that's uncertain, that is confusing, that is worrying, Why would you not want to cling onto a God like that? A God that breathes things into being. That is the God that I want to cling to. I love that word cling. And this is why I love the Passion Translation because it uses that word cling. And I think I've said this in a previous sermon, but every time I think of the word cling, I think about the action of being on a rock face and just clinging on for dear life. Clinging is not a light-hearted action. It's not something you put half your energy into. Or you think, oh, yeah, I'll cling to something. It is an action of desperation. It is something that we need to do, that all our power and energy is forced behind. If you were on the edge of that cliff face, you would be using all your strength and muster to cling onto it because you know your life is at stake. It's something we do out of desperation. There's a movie, Twister, that I feel like is my parents' favourite film. They always watch it, (laughs) so it's ingrained in my mind. And there's a scene where these two characters know a huge Twister is about to come, and they are in danger. And so they find a really secure, safe metal pole that they know is going to be safe for them, that's going to be reliable, and they chain themselves to it so when the twister comes they are safe and they know that it is going to be grounded it's reliable that it's going to keep them out of danger and they cling so tightly to know that it's going to protect them and that's the same image we need to be having when we're clinging on to god he is reliable he is stable. He is safe. And he is the one that is going to keep us from danger. He is the one that we need to be clinging to. Our life giver, the one that breathes life into us, that is the one that we need to be clinging on to for dear life. Our lives depend on it. Our friends, our families' lives depend on it. We need to be clinging to that security. It goes on in verse 21 to say the lord jesus christ who will transform our humble bodies and transfigure us into the identical likeness of his glorified body using his matchless power he continually subdues everything to himself the closer we get to jesus the closer we turn more into this likeness that is what paul is saying here the Bible in a different um, passage talks about how we're clay in the potter's hands that we're being molded and shaped into what God is calling us to be and what God has made us into. We want God to mold us that again that life giver we want our life giver to be molding us to be transforming us and he's the only one that can do that he is the only one that has the power to transform us Again, it's not by our own strength. Paul is reiterating this point because it's so key to grasp. And I think it's so easy to miss. It's so easy to, to every day, wake up and think, I'm going to do this by my own strength today. Instead of stopping and going, God, you need to be the one in charge. You need to be in the driver's seat please transform me today. I need your help to mold me because it is not by my own power that I'm going to get through this. It is by God's power alone. And the quicker we recognize that God has all the power, the easier it is, is going to, the easier it's going to be to let him control and, and give, you know, over our lives to him. And so we can loosen up our grip on our own lives and let God's be in that tri- driver's seat when we let God transform us people notice we're called to be light in the darkness people notice that light they're drawn towards it and when we allow God to mold us into his likeness we invite the Holy Spirit in to use us to bring heaven to earth our eyes stop being transfixed on what is happening on earth and it is pointed towards heaven that is what we want to be we want to be molded more and more into god's likeness so really what happens on earth is momentary compared to the amazing things that is going to happen when heaven comes i love the bit at the end where it says he continually subdues everything to himself you could also read that as he continually brings everything under his control Romans 14 verses 11 says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. It says continually in our Philippians verse, he's continually subduing everything, which means God is continually revealing himself to us. He's giving his grace to us and he's using his mercy to reveal himself to us again not because we have done something special not because you know we're the chosen one but because it's by God's grace and his power that he reveals himself through us and then when that happens transformation comes so we've read all our verses now with verses 17 to 21 and what have we learned number one we've learned that paul gives us that example to live by it doesn't have to be a mystery it doesn't have to be something that we're figuring out all for ourselves paul has given us the road map and when we go on a journey when we've got a roadmap, map it is far easier to go to the destination than it is to try and figure it out by yourself it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy it doesn't mean that it's going to be simple But he knows, he's he's given us that example to know that when we follow these steps, incredible things happen. When we follow these steps, heaven comes to earth. Jesus is revealed. People notice God in us. We should all be striving for that, for those things, for those goals that God is revealed more and more through our lives. Number two, we can't do anything without God's power. Paul constantly repeats himself and repeats this idea that he's recognizing and he wants us to recognize that it is not by our own strength, it's not by our own abilities and it's not by our own power. God has all the power and so we need to kneel before him and accept that And let him move forward in that. Again, that you know what I'm saying about God being in the driver's seat. Paul is constantly reiterating us because he wants us to get that. And number three, when we when we're open with ourselves and with our lives, we can display God's goodness. We want people around us to say, "Hey, I think there's something different about you. Hey, what have you got? Because I'm missing that. I'm lacking that." we want people to notice and I've got to say if you're watching this for the first time if you've never watched watched church before if you've never invited Jesus into your life then this could be a turning point for you you may not have ever tuned into online church or gone to real church before but you recognize something's missing in your life you recognize that some other people have what I, what I don't have. They have a hope. They have something that, that's something that I can't put my finger on. And I'm telling you this morning that it's Jesus. It's God in our lives. And so it may be that you're looking for something to cling to. You're looking for answers for a hope. Again, let me tell you, it's Jesus. He is the only one. He is the one that has breathed life into you. And he's a life giver. God is the ultimate comforter. He is the ultimate friend. He's the ultimate provider and he loves you with an unstoppable love. If you've never experienced the love of God or never invited it into your life, we have a prayer button. Someone would love to pray over you. This morning, you can invite Jesus into your heart and know that your life can be transformed, that the life giver, the one that has breathed life into you, can speak to you and you can have a relationship with him. That you don't have to live by the world standards anymore. You don't have to live that you only live once lifestyle. That you can experience what we're talking about, that taste of heaven on earth this morning. So please, if you haven't encountered God or you haven't invited into your life, please pray with someone. Click the prayer button. We would love to pray with you. I want to close by saying this we have got to be focusing on Jesus we've got to it's not even an option we have to we need to constantly fixing our eyes onto heaven and asking for God's help to intervene on earth I don't want to see myself stuck on all the things that is happening on earth that I lose sight of my heavenly father. And I pray that you have the same heart's desire. There are so many things, especially in this time that is going wrong with our world. And so many things that are unexplained or we don't have the power to change. And that's why we need Jesus because He is the only one with the power and he's the only one that has those answers for us. We're going to close in a minute by saying the Lord's Prayer together. And as we're saying those words, I want to meditate over what we're asking God to do in this prayer. When you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you're saying this. I'm speaking to our Heavenly Father. Let every plan and desire you have to be done on earth. Let parts of heaven be displayed on earth to display your glory. Please provide for me and forgive me from everything that I've done wrong towards you and others on earth. Please help me stay away from temptation so I can be closer to you, God. You are ruler over everything, and you have all the power and deserve all the glory. That is what we're saying when we say the Lord's Prayer. And so let's just finish by quietening our hearts and inviting God in. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses